Welcome back to the Cream City Club podcast. I am Spencer Michaelis, and I'm here again with Gunnar Amelunk. Gunnar, how are we doing today? Doing great. I think you're beating me in fantasy football, though, as we're talking right now. So, oh, uh, could be better. You probably had no idea, but nope. Which is even more embarrassing <laughs> for you. Um, <laughs> no, I, I actually, I sidebar. I have. I'm finally having a good week of fantasy football in all my leagues. It's been, I've been on just a horrible stretch right It now. has been a terrible year for me, and I am I, I need to get hot at the right time, and I think I might be, so we'll see where it goes. That is not why anyone is listening to this podcast. No one wants no. to hear anybody talk about their fantasy football team, so we're going to move on. Um, if you are listening and you haven't yet subscribed, please take a moment to subscribe on whatever platform you are listening on. And if you feel that we earn it, please rate us five stars. If you don't feel that we earn it, That'd still be cool if you'd rate us five stars. So this episode, we will be focusing on the Bucks. We also recorded a Brewers episode today. So if you're looking for that, be sure to check out the other one that was released at the same time today. So we're just going to jump right into it with the Bucks here. After our discussion last week, Gunner, and a lot of, we'll call them friendly disagreements between Bucks Twitter members over the course of the last two weeks or so regarding the employment of Adrian Griffin after about nine or 10 games, the Bucks went out and responded with a five and O week or so about eight days. And that started last Monday with the bulls. They beat the Raptors, the Hornets, the Mavericks. And then tonight they beat the wizards. So obviously not exactly a gauntlet of great teams for four of those five teams, but that Mavericks win in particular was pretty impressive. Second night of a back to back third game in four days and no Chris Middleton. So I believe the Mavericks entered that game nine and three as well. So that was, that was a pretty impressive win. We're going to touch on all of those games individually, but just kind of looking at the larger picture, what stood out to you the most from the full five game set and uh, particularly tonight's game against the wizards. So before we hopped on, I was just joking with you how we had, I had all these notes and, it, the Wizards game kind of contradicted it a little bit, but <laughs> as far as my outer scope of these last five wins, um, the biggest thing for me is what what really changed and defensively is we've been really sinking guys into the paint more, and uh, their field goal percentage at the rim has been, I think, lowest in the league I saw on Twitter. Um, again, obviously very contradicting to we just finished watching that Wizards game. Um, and we just gave up the most points in the paint, uh, all season, I believe too. So, um, but again, I mean, it just seemed kind of like we were coasting today and I'm not too concerned. Uh, but to me, like I said, the we're letting teams sort of sink in a little bit more. Um, and I think just the flow on defenses has been a little bit better. Um, that being with some of the rotations that we've seen too, and, We'll get to some of the injuries that we've seen in these last five games. Um, I think, weirdly enough, we we were sort of asking for those younger guys to play um, in these last five games, and those injuries almost sort of opened a door for those guys. Um, so we've seen, not tonight, unfortunately, I don't know why, but hopefully we get an answer for this, but um, Andre Jackson, um, he only got like 12, I think, minutes or 10 to 15 minutes against that Mavericks team, but... I was actually sort of a little bit excited to see him on a guy like Luca because if he's going to be in the starting lineup, which I want him to be, I think that's 
kind of like that PJ Tucker type of guy where you can just let him go nuts on a guy like that and then just it leaves your other guys open and um just gives them an opportunity to do things and not have to burn energy when you just get the waste of guy like Andre Jackson on him. I thought he held his own. I mean, Luca's going to get his and obviously Kyrie had a big night. Um, but what I was a little bit nervous of, obviously the test for Andre is going to be not to follow out in uh, 12 minutes, uh, <laughs> but uh, I thought he did a good job. And um, just overall for the defense, I think it just seems like as I kind of alluded to before with the rotations and the better feel that we have, I think, the defense itself, I think, is kind of taking a more relaxed approach. Um, and it just kind of feels like we just have a better feel for what we're doing. And um, a lot of the recovery defense, I think, has been there. And the help um, we still get, obviously. We've given up a few extra points here to the Wizards, and it wasn't the perfect outing. But um, that's just kind of what I've noticed. And then lastly, to touch on the offense, and then I'll kick it to you and your notes. But um, I think... I just saw on Twitter again before this Wizards game that we were second in half-court offense, I believe, um, in this stretch, or even, I think, throughout the whole season, actually, not even just this stretch. Yep, um, whole season. Yep, that we are second in offense, uh, half-court. But for me, this is going to be a, a – not to be a Debbie Downer, but I, I've never really – been too concerned with the Bucks offense in the regular season, even with Mike Boonholzer at the at the helm. Um it's more been obviously for the playoffs. So I don't want to be like, oh let's wait to the playoffs and let's wait and see. But um I think when you just have Giannis and Dame in particular and maybe you can jump into obviously that Mavs game, we kind of saw a little sneak peek of maybe what the playoffs might look like with those two guys. Um I think that's what's going to be the difference is just having those two guys in the half court offense. And once they work together, well, I think that's going to translate to the playoffs a little bit better versus what we had going these last five or so years where maybe in the regular season, we had a good offense, but once you hit the playoffs, that's kind of where you don't see our half court offense be very well, but I just don't see how you can really fail with this group um, on offense in the playoffs is because it's like I've said in past episodes, it's pretty vanilla when you get down to it, but that's what's going to work in the playoffs. So, uh, yeah, I guess I'll kick it to you. Yeah, you touched on a lot of what I wanted to talk about, but I guess for me, the biggest thing about these last five games is that, one, I think we've seen, honestly, I think Giannis is playing the best basketball I've ever seen him play in the last week or so. He is, I mean, the, I believe the last six games, they showed a graphic at the end of the game. He's shooting 71% and averaging 37 a game. Like, that's absurd. And he's not just – he is getting to the rim a lot, and he's finishing at the rim, but he's starting to make those turnaround jumpers, and he is hitting the pull-up mid-range shots a little bit more, and he's not settling for threes when teams are trying to bait him into it as often. Um, I don't know what the free throw percentage is lately, but I have to say I feel a lot better about him at the line right now. It looks a lot better coming out of his hand got a little better arc and touch on it right now I just right now he he's moving the ball he's not just trying to do everything and in by doing so he's actually doing everything <laughs> like he's getting he's getting easier shots than he was earlier in the season because that ball is moving around and then coming back to him where he can attack one-on-one or attack a gap that opened up with the ball movement um he's made some improvements in the screening department I still think he 
that's the scary thing. I still think he probably could get five, six more points a game just by screening better, which yeah. means who knows? I mean, there could be a stretch here where he averages 40 with ease because of just slight improvement in that type of stuff. But the other big thing is that when Giannis sat out a game, kind of seemed like that was the jumpstart Dame needed to start feeling comfortable. He he looked much better and more comfortable this whole week, kind of picking his spots, but also being aggressive, not just saying, okay, I'm, I'm afraid to be in the way here. I don't want to do too much. Like he looked more comfortable saying, all right, now it's time for me to go. He was doing that even early in the season, but only in clutch spots. It feels like this week was more like, okay, first quarter, I'm playing the whole quarter. Giannis comes out. I'm going to go attack. And even with Giannis on the court, I'm going to go attack. Um, he sees the floor better than any point guard the, the Bucks have had. And it's, I've been a huge Dame fan and I've watched a lot of Dame. And even I didn't realize just how smart of a basketball player he is on the court. Mm-hmm. He, I saw somebody post a video of um, ended up being the catch high, keep high three from Pat in the corner, but he called Pat up to make, to set the screen in like the horns type action. And then by doing that, he involved like three different defenders who had to worry about all these different assignments. And Pat was able to just loop back around to the corner, completely lost by himself and get a wide open shot. And Bucks players just haven't, had that type of vision where they're seeing two steps ahead. Chris is decent at it. Um, but like, as much as I love drew, that was not something you were going to get from drew. He was not going to be able to see stuff more than one pass ahead. Um, so yeah, those, I mean, just those two, they, they look like they're finally figuring it out. I shouldn't say finally, it's really not that deep into the season. They look like they're starting yeah. to figure it out together. And yeah. Dame and Chris together specifically have been, fantastic too um so all three of them are just they're starting to find a rhythm together i think their net rating as a trio is over 10 um they're just it's it it looks it's a lot more fun this week to watch the bucks and like you said you touched on most of the defense stuff i don't want to get into it too much but and we do have some more that we're going to talk about with the defense specifically later on but I think there's still room to grow there specifically. I think the offense is probably firing on all cylinders about as well as it could be because of guys like Malik Beasley, just nailing shots for this whole stretch and Pat really starting to get it going from three, which makes him so much more playable if he's making shots because Pat does a lot of good things, but if he's not making shots, it's still hard to feel good with him on the court. So yeah, I, I, we, we probably both ramble a little much there, but <laughs> what do think... you think about the defense? Obviously, that Mavs game was probably the game of the year, I would say, up to this point. What did, what did you like about that approach that we took of we've kind of seen it with um, in, in the playoff series kind of being like, okay, Kevin Durant's going to get his 50 points and let everybody else. We're going to not lock down everybody else and Kevin can do what he's doing. Do you like the approach of us kind of doing that same thing, but it was more of Luca and Kyrie instead of one guy, but it worked. But then what I noticed is why the Mavs sort of kind of crept back into the game is when you saw guys like Tim Hardaway Jr. start to hit shots. Yep. And I think that's where sort of the mis- the mishap sort of started to creep in. And guys like Grant Williams, who actually, of course, he only kills us, but uh, 
wasn't the Grant Williams that we normally see, but um, just what did you think about that game, I guess, in general or whatever, that main thought since that was sort of the game of the year? Yeah, I I do think that for me, I do like that approach. I know it's frustrating and it's kind of the same thing as drop defense where it feels like it's going worse than it is most of the time. I feel like that's how people have always viewed the drop with Brooke. Like every bucket feels like it hurts because it's like, okay, why are we not contesting that better? Why are we not? But when you look up, they've scored 105 points at the end of the game. And like, you've had a really good game because you forced them into shots that they don't love taking. Um, I think it's kind of the same way. Like, yeah, Luca and Kyrie can just, they're insane scorers. They can score from any level, from all three levels. They will annoy the hell out of you by making shots with a hand in their face. They, I mean, Luca is probably one of the more frustrating people to guard because he moves in slow motion. He just puts you on his hip. And then all of a sudden he'll make like this quick little step back and have like 10 feet of separation. And I think you have to make those guys beat you. And KD almost did it in that net series, but I still have no regrets about the way that the Bucks did that. And it took almost the best series I've ever seen from somebody to be able to win that game or win that series in seven. And it still didn't pay off. So for me, it's, it's really hard to win when one guy's doing that the whole time. Now they, in their scenario, like you said, they have two, they have two guys who can do it. And that makes it a little harder to, to feel comfortable doing it that way. But it's dependent, you know, if, if they are missing shots all game, maybe you start saying, okay, let's give them a little more space. And we focus on, on just helping on Luca or, you know, kind of flashing from the wings to at least put another hand in his face or something. But with Hardaway and like you said, Grant Williams was making shots early in the game. I think it was the right approach. And I, with the offense that I think the Bucks can put up regularly, I think you can take some of those blows from people going off as long as you're not letting a whole team get hot and just shoot the lights out against them. Yeah. I mean, in Griffin's defense, I think the end on this point is people don't like hearing it all the time, but you do in a way have to give up something on defense. You can't always stop every single part of every single game. You do have to give something. And if you can be perfect on the other part of the game, then you're probably going to win most of the time. It makes it a little tricky when, like you said, when you got two guys who can go on a heater at any point, but um, it was just nice to see, I think to end that game, we're keeping pace with them, but more at like a relaxed level. It almost felt yeah. like we were very calm. And I think I'm not going to say we wouldn't have won that game the last five years, but it almost feels like we were just going to win that game. Like I would have felt very confident with the way that Dame was getting to the line. Now that we have, like we talked about before, we have two guys now who can um, create opportunities to get to the line and actually make free throws. Um, but it's like, it's just the calmness on offense. It just kind of always felt like we were in control even when it was close, but um, yeah. yeah, like I said, that was I mean, even if, game even if you look at the fan, the fans at the game, it's clear how much confidence Bucks fans already have in Dame at the end of games, because as soon as he touches the ball and is walking up the court, everybody is standing up and you get that cool zoom out from the camera that every sporting mm-hmm. event does that I love. And I don't know, it just, you can tell everybody just already has this confidence in Dame and you know, his teammates do, and he obviously has earned that over the course of his career, but it is a nice calming presence that 
the Bucks yep. just haven't had in the past. It, Drew made some great plays at the end of games, but it wasn't ever like, okay, there's no way Drew's going to make a terrible decision here. Like you were always thinking that was a very real possibility. And, mm-hmm. and I love Chris, but he's prone to turning it over sometimes if you bring two at him or something in a certain spot or, and Giannis is the same, like Dame's going to have some bad right now. He's kind of been perfect in the clutch this year. That's not going to happen. He's not going to make every shot and make every right decision, but he's going to do it a lot more often than he's going to make the wrong decision. And that's to me, something the bucks just have not had. So I guess, do we want to touch on any other of the other games specifically, like dive into any of those other ones? Were there any, what did you specifically see anything in any of those games that you really liked? Yeah. I mean, like you said, they were, Nothing that really break about their probably teams that you should beat for the most part. I mean, the Raptors one to me, I think, really is what kicked everything off. We had Dame in that Bulls game, even when we won it, he was like three of fifteen or whatever he was. It didn't really feel like himself. Um, and I think Dame even sort of alluded to it post game after the Raptors one, where you know what you're gonna get when Giannis is off the floor and he can create and do do everything not by himself, but it's now he's the focal point of the offense because he's done that his whole career. And that's why he said that when Dame was out earlier in the year, um, when that couple games stretched, that's when Giannis got going. Because now he, that was, it gave him some sort of confidence almost. Because now, like I said, he's been the focal point of the Bucks' offense, obviously, for all these years. Um, so I think to me, the Raptors one is probably one that we're going to look back on and say, yep, that's kind of when Dame, Dame sort of arrived um, this season. Um, to the Hornets game, I mean, it, it felt like a good Giannis team game. Obviously, Giannis didn't go off with points or anything, but um, I we obviously, I think we sent the funny tweet back to each other when Giannis had like only 16 points and people were upset that Giannis needs to be more involved in the offense. And, oh, I think we blew the team out, so I don't actually care. <laughs> I thought uh, that was the game that Giannis kind of started he had been scoring at will for a while. He comes back in that game and he's really moving the ball and making the right read a yep, lot. Yep. And then these last couple of games, he's kind of put that together and it's just been the That's best the point, combination yeah. of what you're looking for, for him. So yeah, yeah. That, that tweet was, I don't even, I can't remember who it was. I don't want to even <laughs> say anything about him, but like, I couldn't believe that they were upset with the way that the Bucks handled that game because Giannis didn't score enough. They won by like 30. <laughs> Yeah, it won by 30 uh, and Giannis pretty much had it. I mean, I don't, he didn't have a triple double, but he was distributing. He was moving the ball and he didn't no, take any point. bad shots. It was perfect. Mm-hmm. Great point. I mean, like you said, there was like literally no um, mishaps really in that game between those two guys. And I think that's when their duo sort of kicked off Yeah, um, their comfortability with each other. And then obviously we got the Mavs game that we just talked about. Um, and then the Wizards won tonight. I mean. We were just talking about it beforehand. Obviously, we just watched it, so it's a fresh reaction. But um, coasting a little bit. But, I mean, offensively, I just think we just know what we're going to do now. And it just feels a lot more comfortable, kind of like I was saying at the end of that Mavs game, where not the perfect game started out good tonight again. But um, it just kind of seemed like he was coasting a little bit too. And, I mean, not necessarily back-to-back, but now maybe he's getting a little bit tired. And, um yeah, I mean, the Wizards game, we won it, and it was comfortable, but um, 
again, these are teams that we probably should beat, not have to be bragging about it or anything. But um, yeah, th- those are the main notes for those games. Yeah, and I mean, they weren't necessarily taking care of business against teams they should in the first couple weeks of the season. So it's good to see them do that. I mean, yeah, they're supposed to do it, but it doesn't mean it always happens. So they still did it, and they had to go out and actually win those games. We just watched the Celtics lose to the Hornets, too. Right, yeah, team we just beat by 30. And they were down a couple, I believe. Derek White and Horford were out because they're saving it. They're trying to rest them up for our game on Wednesday. But that kind of goes into the other part of this for me. Like, yes, four of those five games were very winnable games, but five games in eight days is a tough stretch, including a two or including a back-to-back, including a three out of four. That's not easy. And two or three out of fours, I guess, technically, if you look at it on the second half of the back-to-back into tonight. So it wasn't an easy stretch. It was an easy part of the schedule, but it wasn't an easy stretch by any means. And there was a lot of travel involved in it. And that it was it was good to see him come out and do that. And you have to give Griffin some credit because I'm sure he's a young coach. I'm sure he also was starting to hear some of the stuff being said about him. Um, it's hard to miss it when, especially he is on Twitter, he's on social media. I'm sure he doesn't look at it much, but it's hard to miss it when everybody's kind of talking about it. So not that I think he coached an incredibly great week and he's the reason they won all these games, but I also think he wasn't putting them in as many bad positions and that's a good start. So definitely starting to see some improvement on his end too. I guess just to wrap up the defense talk a little bit. So they had that horrific start where they were like 29th in defensive rating after the first four or five games or whatever it was before tonight in their last nine games, when Brooke went into drop against the Knicks was nine games ago. They had a defensive rating of 112.7, which isn't great, but it would be good for 12th in the league during that time frame. So obviously not quite the juggernaut they'd been in the past, but it was much more in line with where a good team would need to like minimally be. They need to at least be middle of the pack or a little better. Um, has has it been as simple as Brooke being moved into drop coverage? Is there are there other things you think are helping contribute to that improvement? Yeah, I think it's a little bit of everything I've said in this last five game stretch. Um, big picture, I mean, if you can be like you said, we're twelfth. Um, I I'm pretty sure the Nuggets were actually not a top 10 defense last season. I mean, maybe they were in the playoffs. They actually might've been the best defense in the playoffs once they got there, but for a high efficient offense, like we are supposed to have and probably will have, you're probably in a good spot if you're around 12th. I mean, I I would think that we're going to be okay. Um, but like I said, it's just a little bit of everything. I think Brooke knows what he's doing. He's been a little bit deeper in drop since he's been out there. And um, I just think it looks like a lot less lost souls out there where guys just kind of know what they're doing. They're getting to their spots on defense and people are just more comfortable in what we're doing. I think it's been a lot less attacking with the the blitzes and things like that too, where it's just been a lot more. We talk about that calmness on offense. It just feels like a lot more calmness on defense where guys feel I know you brought this up on a on an earlier podcast. Um, 
with Dame, but Dame talked about it too. When you know that you have Brooke in his spot and you're comfortable in that, it, this allows you to actually almost free up a little bit on defense and just be more comfortable. Like I said, that's probably the, the word yeah. of the podcast, I guess, is comfortable. But it, it just allows <laughs> guys to have that safety blanket and just know where guys are going to be on defense. And that, that's just going to, like, we're, we're not, we don't have great perimeter defenders. And we're our peak is probably going to be like tenth, I would say, with this group as as long as we don't get changes or anything like that. I obviously talked about the younger guys playing. Um, I think those guys just move better too. Um, yeah. we didn't see Andre today either, which was a little bit surprising, like I alluded to. But um, even AJ Green, I've been pretty impressed with on defense when he's out there. Um, and he's draining shots too. So even more reason to have him out there and Pat's been a lot better too and deserve chances. So um, we'll get to the injuries too. Without Marjan or Jay too, I think it's been pretty impressive in this last stretch to be able to get back up there to 12th. Yeah, I agree. I When Jay went out, I was a little concerned about where the defense might head after that. You kind of knew that someone like Ajax was going to have to step up. And then of course, Marjan was going to be getting a much bigger role, like you were saying. And then all of a sudden, Marjan's out now, too, with a sprained ankle. So we do have one question uh, regarding the defense and Dame and a few other things from our, my my favorite pitcher on the staff. Noah Eggert asks us a question. Um, Sorry, for those who don't know Noah Eggert, I coach him <laughs> in baseball. And yeah, he, he wanted me to know that this was more his brother's question than his own, but he was asking, he was saying that there's, there's no doubt Dame is obviously a great player, but does his style of play fit in with what the Bucks have done in the past? And obviously losing Drew's defense is a big blow. So is Dame a good fit with the Bucks or is it too much having two big stars like him and Giannis on the same team? So I definitely don't think that having Dame and Giannis on the same team is an issue in terms of fit in general. Um, I, I get what the question is asking in terms of, yeah, it it was a downgrade in defense and it was going to make the team defense worse. So to expect it to stay at that exact same level as it's been the last few years would have been stupid to begin with. Like Gunnar was just talking about, you could probably guess that it was going to max out I could see him being top 10, but I don't think you're getting like top five. I could see him being in that like seven to eight, nine range where it's a good defense, but they're still going to have games where they're just kind of getting cooked by good guards. And that's going to be part of it, especially if you're going to start Beasley and Dame together still, which they, to, to Beasley's credit, he's been making it work a lot better because he's scoring a lot more and he's playing a lot more, a lot better on offense, but it's still not a great it's still a pretty bad defensive backcourt. So I think they can make it work. I think guys like Andre Jackson that we've talked about and Marjan can be the reason that they make that work a little bit better by potentially starting over Beasley. We kind of saw this during the stretch, the way Beasley made, he, he did fine when he was out there with starters and he was more aggressive and getting more opportunities to shoot. But he had some really good runs when it was him and, Brooke and a bench unit or him and maybe just one of the other starters and a bench unit where he had a lot more free reign to kind of go and shoot the ball and score. So 
I do think they could improve the defense still with that starting lineup change. And that's really, to me, the main way it would happen. I don't, I don't think it's going to just improve too much more schematically other than like we've talked about a little bit, not over helping or selling out too much, but I think that's more just guys are getting comfortable now. So that's, that's how I would answer it. Gunner, you have anything else you'd want to add on that? Yeah. Um, I think offensively, I can't think of a better superstar to fit with Giannis on paper with Dame. Um, I was going to hit you with this question, and I'm not going to ask it. I mean, you can answer it if you want. But on, on the last podcast, I thought it was too much of a, a podcast question. but um, And it would not have happened this way. But And we've talked about it before. But offensively, if I knew that I was getting Damian Lillard, I would have maybe preferred Mike Budenholzer to be here over Adrian Griffin. And obviously, like, like I said, this wouldn't have happened the way that it ended up happening because it's not possible with how the the order of events turned out. But the reason why I think just having Giannis and Dame together, they're just going to solve the half-court offense in themselves. And that was Bud's main, main problem in defense was just – or offense, excuse me, in the playoffs is we were just stagnant on offense, which, again, is that a great – thing to be like okay Giannis and Chris go or Giannis and Dame go do your thing um it worked a little bit when he did that for Giannis and Chris but when you have Giannis and Dame it's a little bit different because now Dame knows how to get to his spots and he can draw fouls and everything like that so um again two bunch of a podcasty question so you don't have to answer it but um I mean I guess if you want to answer it you can would you rather have Mike Boonholzer and Dame or Drew Holiday and Adrian Griffin. Ooh. Well, the Drew Holiday and Adrian Griffin part of it does make it interesting because I think Drew would actually do quite well in this defense that Griffin runs. But if if I'm choosing – Dame over Drew is too big of a difference of yeah, whatever difference that is the difference is between the coaches. So I would take Dame and Bud over Drew and Griffin pretty, pretty easily. I – I still think I did not hate Mike Budenholzer. Like I hated Jason Kidd. I hated his guts. I wanted him gone so badly. <laughs> when when Bud got fired, it was bittersweet. Honestly, like I did, I wasn't upset, but I wasn't like I jumped yeah. around my apartment at school when Jason Kidd got fired and we went to the game and made a sign about it and tried to get on the jumbotron, which oh, we yeah. never did. Oh, cool. Not our not our personality at all, but we wanted to make fun of Jason Kidd because we did not like Jason Kidd. Bud helped win a championship, and he was not perfect, and he wasn't any of those things. I mean, he was he had his plenty of flaws, but I wasn't thrilled when he left. So if you told me that, yeah, we're going to keep Bud, but we're going to trade for Dame, I would have been like, yep, good offseason. Sounds good to me. I'm fine. Yeah. So we touched on it a little bit earlier, but. Wednesday, the Bucks probably have their most anticipated game of the season so far coming up against the Celtics. What are you kind of looking forward to with that game, and what will you be watching? Yeah, that's definitely – we talked about the game of the year with the Mavericks. This will for sure top it. Um, in the past, I know we've always talked about how much regular season games actually matter. Um, I've 
I don't think they matter a ton, but I know that we've fought in the past and I'm always the one of, I get hyped up for these games and you're just like, okay, it doesn't really matter. It's just, it's one game. It's out of 82 games. It's really does not have a big meaning to it, obviously record wise or anything. Um, But obviously everyone's going to point to Drew versus Dame to start out with. Um, I do think Drew's going to be on Dame for most of the time, I would assume, but obviously they got Derek White too, who they, value a lot on defense. Um, so I could see them both getting some time, but I'm sure Drew obviously um, wants that matchup for obvious reasons. Um, but we also saw what happens when Drew wants to <laughs> go 1v1 versus somebody and try to prove something. Um, Jimmy Butler. So, um, but yeah, I mean, as far as the game goes, I'm excited to watch it. And uh, I think the other small tidbit we see a lot of Celtics fans come at us for the Kristaps versus Giannis matchup as well. And Giannis has just completely dominated Kristaps for a good amount of time now. So, and I've been a Kristaps fan. I think that was actually a good trade for them, but, um, and he's definitely worked so pretty well with them so far. And um, we touched on earlier, they just lost to the Hornets, um, a team that we just beat. So I think they're working out stuff just like we are working out stuff as well. Um, they had a faster start than we did. Um, it's probably a little bit easier to mesh guys together when Drew just seems sort of like the perfect um, uh, glue guy is probably too offensive of a turn for him because he's a little bit better than that type of guy. But um, fitting in guys like that versus a guy like Damian Lillard, who's it's a two-headed snake now here in Milwaukee, it's a little bit harder for us versus them. Um, but yeah, like I said, I'm excited for the game. Um I think both teams now are kind of at a weird, they're both kind of trying to prove something. And um, like I said, regular season games don't really mean a ton. Um, But this one for sure, I think would, for a new coach like Adrian Griffin, I bet this one would probably hit a little bit harder too. And um, definitely we we just talked about this five game winning streak. I mean, if you can cap it off with a Celtics win, um, I think we'd be feeling very, very good. So, yeah. I agree with all of that. I think I will be curious. I, I have a feeling Drew's going to guard Giannis a decent amount in this game. Actually, yeah. Yeah, that's true. I think he's kind of the type of guy who could really annoy Giannis by he's so strong that he can actually kind of hang with him in terms of like bodying him up. But he also just has such good hands and stuff. And Giannis has kind of been the only thing that's still been kind of a struggle for him this last week is he's been getting stripped a lot, like when he gathers. And that is, I mean, the biggest play in Bucks history, arguably, is Drew stripping a guy after he gathered. So we know he's pretty good at that. Um, that is something I'm going to be watching. I do think that might be a matchup, but I'm sure he's going to spend time on Dame. I think he could probably annoy Chris a little bit too, but Chris is also kind of in that Jimmy Butler vein where he might just be able to calmly shoot over Drew, mm-hmm. and that's where he might be able to beat him in that matchup, but Drew does present a problem for kind of all three of them. I actually think he would probably struggle the most with Dame just because quickness is more what can beat Drew at this time, but that's going to be something I'm super interested in. I, I don't, I, I know some Bucks fans really hate Drew. I like Drew a lot. I don't want him to do well for the Celtics against us specifically, but Mm -hmm. I'm not going to be out there just, 
I'm not going to be booing Drew when he's playing in Milwaukee or doing any of that. Like I, I like the guy a lot. And again, I think he probably had the biggest play in that finals run. The, the play that kind of made me feel that for the first time that, okay, they might, they might actually do this. So. Mm -hmm. Well, we touched on too to quickly, not the, and I want to touch on that too, but we joked about how they showed us all these moves that they made the Celtics this season and kind of forgotten in all that mix was Grant Hill leaving the Celtics or Grant yes, Williams. he's killed Grant Williams. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Grant Hill. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a while ago. Well, I'm showing my age now, uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, it was sort of forgotten in all that mix, yeah. but we, and we joked, like I said, on offense, he's killed us, but really they are missing that type of guy who can just, maybe that actually is the glue guy I was talking about where yeah. he can guard the wings on the perimeter and um, you can let those other guys cook. And obviously Drew and uh, Derek White, they're very good defensively. I'm not saying taking anything away from that. Um, they're going to, but guys who are a little bit bigger like Giannis or, or Chris, I mean, um, I think you would be fine against like that, but that's where I think we were almost a little bit excited because they could have easily brought him back. I'm pretty sure it was just a money thing. Yep. Um, yeah, Grant could have been back. Smart, they obviously yeah. had to move in the trade, but Smart and Grant Williams were a pain for Giannis because they were always the two mm -hmm. guys who not only would be able to hold their own physically, but they were going to flop and they were going to take a hit, and it was just going to be a lot of uh, kind of diving under Giannis's legs and always just being in the way. Yeah. So I'll give I, I have seen. Drew flopping a little bit more since he went to the Celtics for some weird reason. I'm not sure what that might be, but um, he's not really somebody who does that a lot. And I think those are the types of guys who actually give Giannis the most problems are the ones who yeah. do flop. And they, they he just gets pissed off when people are doing it. And he knows that like, okay, I'm not hitting him this hard. Now he starts getting out of his rhythm. He starts playing a little bit less physically and that's when he struggles. So, I do think they're going to miss them a lot. I, I'm i not sure how they're going to guard him. And I do think Drew gives him the best chance, but I don't think Drew can actually do it for at least more than a couple minutes at a time. And like you said, I, Chris Stapps has never been able to guard Giannis ever. And mm -hmm. Horford can, but Horford is getting pretty old. And every year that passes by, even... Horford guarding Giannis well was like, okay, he only scored 35 and it took him an extra couple attempts to do it. Like he wasn't shutting Giannis down ever. He just was annoying him mm -hmm. kind of like smart and Williams were. So I think if we end up seeing the Celtics in a playoff series later down the line, you know, rosters can change and everything, but if the rosters are the same, I think Giannis is still just going to be able to dominate that series and, someone like Dame can still step up even if he does have a tough defensive assignment on him. He's he's somebody who's still going to be able to go get his. And the more people that are guarding those two, the more Chris is going to have to operate. So mm -hmm. that's the fun part right now. Uh, to your other point, though, not the, since I cut you off before, what when you're with your Drew memories, uh, what type of perception do you think Drew is going to get now being his first matchup back with the Bucks, they're probably going to tweet a video out or something. And uh, do you think fans are going to take the opposite approach and now 
he doesn't really mean much to us anymore. Or I know what our stance is going to be. We obviously yeah. know how much Drew meant to us, but and we can go on and on about all the great memories and moments that he had with us. But just the general fan aspect, what do you think the reception is going to be like? I think that pregame Bucks fans are going to give Drew a lot of love, and then as soon as the game starts, everything he does is going to get ridiculed and booed and honestly at that point like I'm not against that I think he now he is the enemy when that game starts and you're trying to beat him and fans are allowed to not like the players on the other team but I do think he deserves the love when it's not like the heat of the moment so I hope they give him I hope the fan base gives him love before all of that goes on and I'm sure guys like Giannis and Chris are going to be hanging out with them and talking to them and there's going to be videos of that and stuff. And it'll show like, okay, yeah, (laughs) yes, he now is on probably our least favorite team at the moment, but he is a guy that we all loved here and that his teammates still love and definitely will always have love for. So I, I hope the fan base reacts well. And like I said, I think once the game starts, bets are off and I don't blame fans for that. That's part of what being a fan is, but um, hopefully around the game, they, they handle it with class. Um, yeah. Do we have anything else on that game or? Nope. I just think we're, we're both excited for it. So, Oh yeah. Yeah. So I guess just to wrap this up, I think we do need to give a little shout out to Chris Middleton for passing Michael red last week and then Sidney Moncrief tonight and becoming the fourth all time leading scorer in bucks history. Um, we touched on it a little bit, but Chris and Dame have really quickly developed chemistry and they coming into tonight had the best two man combination with a net rating of almost 19. So it's been nice to see Chris back. I know people are still a little worried about the, the minute restriction and seeing him get blown by from time to time on defense really annoys people while they watch everyone else have it happen to them the same amount. But Chris looks really good to me. I I still feel really good about Chris being out there. When he's out there closing games with Dame and Giannis, I have a hard time understanding how a defense is going to stop that group. So especially with Brooke, and then as long as that fifth guy can make an open shot, I mean, that's a fun closing lineup almost every time. So just I talked about it on that last pod. I'm not going to go into it too much, but Chris deserves so much love from Bucks fans for what he's done. I mean, this is a decade with the franchise he's now a top four all-time leading scorer he's only like 500 points behind third pretty decent chance if he finishes out his contract here which i imagine he will and might even get another one that he could be second behind Giannis by the end of all of this and that's pretty insane to think about considering the guy was basically the throw-in in the brandon knight brandon jennings trade at the time so um mm-hmm. just Definitely deserving of a shout out and really happy to see him playing well. Hopefully we do start seeing those minutes creep up a little bit. They seem to be just a little bit kind of getting closer to 25 now. A couple weeks from now, maybe we're at 30 and then pretty much back to where we normally are after that. So any, uh, any Chris thoughts before we wrap it up here? Yeah, I'll just show Chris a little love since I missed out on the last podcast. I know you're going to have a lot of Chris (laughs) comments, so I gave it to you, but um now it's very inarguable how much he's meant to the the Bucks franchise and 
Um, it is going to be insane on Buck's Twitter once he passes Kareem at some point for number two on the list. Um, and obviously, like, I touched on last episode, Michael Red meant a lot to me as a kid. So it was very weird seeing him wearing number 22, uh, passing Michael Red. Uh, and we saw Michael Red's post that he made for him. It was uh, very nice. So um, I just want to say how much Chris has meant to us and uh, the entire Bucks organization in general. And um, it just really can't go understated anymore at this point, how much he's meant. And uh, yeah, I hope he goes to number two and um, yeah, for we can watch him for the rest of his career because he's meant a lot. Yeah. And just one more quick thing on Chris. I think people don't really understand, but he has had options to leave in free agency twice. Yep. He's had unrestricted free agency with big time offers from other teams and, Yes, the Bucks could technically offer more money than the other teams in those scenarios, but the other teams could offer a much bigger role than what he has had with the Bucks, mm-hmm. which was to potentially be that number one option. And he chose to stay and he chose to understand that he's not going to always get the limelight or all the love and stuff. And those types of guys staying in Milwaukee, like we talked about it a little bit last time, but people staying in Milwaukee used to not be a thing at all. So when people do it and want to do it for over a decade, I feel like they deserve a lot of love for that. So mm-hmm. it's been really cool to see him climbing this list. And like Gunnar said, hopefully we see it climb all the way up to right behind. Yeah, not right behind Giannis, but behind Giannis for the number two spot. He'll still be a few point. behind Giannis. Yeah, he's going to he's gonna be quite a ways behind Giannis, but a distant second would still be cool for Chris. So yeah. I think that's where we're going to wrap up this Bucks pod here. We... Thank you for listening, and just, again, ask if you could like or subscribe on whatever platform you're following on. Uh, I believe that the podcast should actually be on Google and Amazon now moving forward, so if you happen to listen through that, you should be able to find it there. And, yeah, please, once again, if you want to leave feedback for us on how we can get better or what we can improve on, we are very open to that, so... Thank you all for listening, and we will see you next time.